This week's episode of Listen Money Matters is brought to you by Earth Class Mail. Earth Class Mail moves your snail mail to the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. You also get a real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. Earth Class Mail is a brilliant solution that's perfect for businesses and independent entrepreneurs of all types. Visit earthclassmail.com and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up and use the offer code LISTEN. That's earthclassmail.com and offer code LISTEN. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. The happiest people do not have the best of everything. They just make the best of everything they have. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, that was a good one. It's a good catchphrase. I really like that one. I saw it. I was like, this is the next catchphrase. Yeah, I like it. It comes from Sai, uh, who sent it to our email address. So thank you, Sai. Very insightful. Ah. <laughs> 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 and just lost half listener. Exactly. Anyway. Everyone's like, this is going to be a bad episode. I can just tell. <laughs> what are you drinking, dude? Uh, I am drinking Couch Surfer Oatmeal Stout. That's like the laziest sounding beer. So it's fitting to my personality. Yep. Pretty much. That's that's kind of what I was insinuating there. <laughs> what do you got, dude? <laughs> I uh, Okay, so I don't think I've said this in the show or told anybody, but for the month of July and for like five days into August, I'm not drinking. What? What? At all. Yeah, right? All right, fine. I'll drink enough for the both of us. Anyway, dude, what are we talking about today? Today. Lay it we, on me. Huh? Lay it on me. All right, so we get a lot of emails, people starting podcasts, blogs, like physical businesses, and they want um, like just any insight or, or tips we have. Mm. Um, and you've been doing CIG for what, like seven years? Uh, six years. Six years. So I've been doing this for my matters for almost four years. So that we have like almost ten years of experience. Um, I think we both came from pretty humble beginnings with what we built. So I don't want to talk about like what we built, mm. but what we learned doing it um, and hopefully like save people some time. So like basically just the biggest lessons we've learned through experience. Yeah. And I think like there are some that may be only to online business. I actually think mm. most are just would apply to any business. So just to give everyone a heads up up front, we're not going to be talking about SEO tactics or no. Which WordPress version you should install? <laughs> Probably the latest one. <laughs> <laughs> Just update it, yeah. The, so these are, I don't, even, I don't know, maybe, maybe you want to stick with the online business title here, but these are seven le- lessons we've learned that help us out in business. We'll, we'll, like, we'll call them small business lessons because there I think go. if you've listened, you know we really, really believe that you should diversify your income mm-hmm. and you should just start something. So I want to start uh, the first tip. Okay. Um, which is really not what I want. Mm-hmm. And it was never what I wanted to hear. Um, and it's don't quit your day job. I think I've gone uh, full circle like five times on this. Okay. And I think uh, it really comes down to a few things. One, um, you want the flexibility to build your business the way that it should be built high quality reflects you and the things that you want your business to be. But Mm -hmm. when you quit your job and you need money, you're going to compromise on 
pretty much everything to make a buck. And you may, if it's early stage of business, hamstring it. So it will never actually be able to be what you want it to be because you're mm. trying to make $100 now instead of 2000 you know, in a year. So, yeah. And then I think constraint breeds creativity. So um, you have limited hours. You have after work. You have lunchtime, whatever. And all of a sudden, you can't do everything. You can only do some things. So you naturally gravitate towards the most important things. And you have to do things like batch and uh, make the most out of your hours. Um, yeah, that's and, the big one for me. Like, I don't think... Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, because I was going to say, the thing is, is Thomas, you may, maybe you work 60 hours a week, you know, maybe you work 40 hours, I don't know, but you could take that to like 80 hours, you could maybe even take that to 100 hours, but then you're maxed, and you're not going to be able to sustain it for that much longer, and you, you didn't add that much to your business. That's like linear. Well, uh, Chris Bailey, my friend Chris Bailey, the guy who runs a year of productivity, well, it's a life of productivity now, in his book, he did an experiment where he worked a 90-hour work week and like a 20-hour work week, hmm. and the 90-hour work week was barely more productive. And he learned that if you do that for more than one week, you you basically go down to a baseline where you're getting no more done than you would have with 40 hours. Hmm. So, and I learned this big time. I've never had to compromise my business for money because I was fortunate enough to be building it in kind of cockroach mode when I was still in college. So it didn't matter what it made at that point. And it finally became profitable to a full-time extent before I even graduated. But... I did make the mistake of quitting every part-time job, every club, every everything for a summer after my junior year because I thought, logically enough, working on CIG would be the most important thing. And because I had every single day to work on it, and it wasn't, I didn't really have that turn pro mindset installed yet, mm. I wasted so much of my time because I'd wake up every day thinking, hey, I've got the entire day to do You'd all have the stuff I have. You'd have a process or a plan. Yeah. So, and I think those things take a long time to get good at doing when you're doing your own business. You can't just quit everything and assume that you're going to, you know, you're going to go hardcore every single day on it. It and takes time. Dude, I, I really believe in, in pretty much anything in life, especially with business, success is tenacity. And I think if you look out, like it's easy for us to look at our peers and like the, the blogosphere or whatever. But I think you have your business and, and you kind of know your competitors that more often than not, the people who succeed are just the ones who are left because everyone else quits. Yes. So it's like, yes. here we are, like a super successful podcast. Like, I hope we're good. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy listening. We try to make something good, but everyone else gave up. And so there weren't even many options to begin with because people did it for three months. They're like, they didn't become number one. You know, they didn't have overnight success. And like newsflash, like nobody, like barely anyone has overnight success. I really can't think of many people who do. What's your, what's your number two, dude? So my number two is, uh, okay, so study the pros, right? Mm -hmm. Study people in your industry and outside of your industry. But a lot of people just follow advice. And what I'm going to recommend that you do is dig into what they do. And I'll give you some examples. So I was like, yeah, what do you mean? You know, Pat Flynn runs one of the biggest online marketing sites in the world, Smart Passive Income. And all his blog posts and podcasts and, and videos will teach you, you know, how you can build a great website and blah, blah, blah. So I followed him. I followed all these other people when I was coming up. Mm -hmm. 
But what I would also do is I would pay very close attention to how they wrote their content. Oh, well, they, you know, they have a, a line break in between every paragraph. And, you know, there's only ever like four lines for those line breaks. So they're, they're making really readable content. And then I would dig into the CSS and figure out, oh, here's exactly how they have their, you know, H tags laid out to uh, do proper SEO. Here's exactly how they do their menus. I'd study their entire site navigation and the UX and everything. I study every element of people I admire. Same thing with video. I was uh, with Fizzle, right? I've watched their courses, but I really wasn't watching the course to learn what they were talking about. I was watching, how do you pan the camera? Okay, what kind of animations are you doing? I've gone frame by frame through animations for YouTubers that I like a lot. Not to copy them, but just to ask, okay, how do they do that? Okay, that's a Venetian blind effect on a rectangle, and there's a you know there's a gradient behind it, and then there's like this cool little box that spins up with a rotation, and they're easing it. And then but I dude, learned the how thing, to do like stuff. People, everyone inspires each other. So, yeah. like, if you took your 10 favorite YouTube channels and, like, combined their style, like, you probably basically have CIG, which is cool yeah. because that's what all the people that you follow did with their 10 favorite. Yeah. So, study what the pros do and uh, kind of related to this, don't worry about emulation too much. If you're straight up ripping somebody, you're going to know and they're going to know. Like, you're going to have this feeling like, I'm straight up ripping this person. But... If you can say to yourself, okay, I'm I'm taking influence from them, that's okay because when everyone starts out as an artist, they emulate their favorite people to a pretty large degree because you, right now you don't really have your own style. As you get better though, you number one, intake more styles, more people, more creators, mm. and you start to develop your own style by virtue of all the work you're doing. So if you go watch one of my videos from way back in 2014, you can tell okay, this guy's doing study tips with a cat Icarus style, basically. And now if you look at my latest video, you'd be like, this is a Thomas Frank video. There, you know, you can you can see elements of Crash Course, ASAP Science, cat Icarus, all these other things, but it's not the same. It's very much me now because I've been doing it for two years. Mm. And, you know, I like how you said art because <clears throat> I was having this conversation with someone, you know, about like, what is an artist or who is an artist and they they happen to be very snobby about their their specific art and they're mm. like oh just this is art like you know like just music or just p painting is art you know if you're using crayons like that's not and it it comes down to like you're talking about like h tags and you know your website code and like that's part of your art Right, like yeah. the way that you break your paragraphs and convey knowledge to people in your writing is mm -hmm. part of your craft. It's your art, and I think yeah. like you can't like you have to uh, allow yourself to appreciate your work or, or take it to the to a level of art. Yeah, and and don't think that art falls into these neat little categories. I can't remember where I heard this, or maybe I was talking to somebody, but they defined art as anything that is better than it needs to be. Mm. And I agree with that 100% because you can get something to the point where it's serviceable, where it delivers the utility that it needs to. That's not art. But the moment that before the love of the craft, you do something else to make it better, you have created art. doesn't matter. You could be doing plumbing, you know, or like a great example, people who do cable management for their computers. Mm. I think that's a form of art. 
all my cables are strewn back there behind my oh, desk. Oh, it's ridiculous. And then I have and, dust in like this hellscape of a yeah. plug area. <laughs> and it works. It, it does not make my computer run any worse. But the people who do, you know, nice cable management with twist ties, whatever, it looks really aesthetically pleasing. Oh, and my God, dude. I had a, a Verizon Fios guy come and he was like, oh, do you want to put the router thing on the wall? And, and we just got in this apartment. I was like, I don't know if I want to whatever with the wall. And he eventually <laughs> convinced me. And he had a staple gun. He stapled the wires all nice it's, it's yeah. the nicest thing in here it's almost like a it literally is almost like a piece of art it's just like a virus <laughs> router like screwed into the wall but it's so yeah. nice better than it needs to be and honestly that should be your mindset and your motto for your business no matter what you're doing Devil's better than it needs details. to be because um and i know you've got a tip coming up that's pretty related to this but there no matter what you're doing there's somebody out there also trying to do it the only way you get ahead, especially online where everyone has access. Wait, wait, don't say it. Let me say it's gotta it. Gotta be better than it needs to be. Yeah, so it has to be better than and and I say um just improve one percent every month. One percent mm-hmm. is so small. It's out of a dollar, it's a penny. Right? Yeah. And so I was telling Laura this idea, you know, I was trying to come with business lessons and stuff, and I said, improve 1% every month. And she's like, oh, it's only 12% a year. I was like, actually, it's not 12% a year. It's 12.68% a year, which, <laughs> which sounds like, well, it's like, that's basically the same thing. But in the second year, that's 26.97% because you're 1%. So it's like 1% of a dollar is a dollar and a penny, but then 1% of a dollar and a penny is a little bit more. And so oh, you're yeah. getting this like exponential improvement thing going. Uh-huh. And, and I think in business it's more you know. You it just it all it just com- it doesn't compound mathematically, it compounds even oh, exp- better sometimes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You do one good thing and like it pays off forever for your business. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, like you when when you start you are going to have collegeinfogeek.com from eight years ago. It's going to be terrible. Your parents are going to be embarrassed of you. Um, and you just need to improve 1% <laughs> a month. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself, Thomas. <laughs> your parents are just like, we're not telling our friends about that. Our pay, your parents are going to disown you. No, like just 1% <laughs> a month. And then all of a sudden in six years, look what this guy's got. And obviously there are many months you do more than 1% improvement. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of months where you just barely squeaked something out better. And that was enough. I can tell you the latest video I did was like a 10% improvement. Mm. You know, I put like 30 hours, 25 hours, something like that of editing into but it. It took you many videos to get to that one leap. There's you know? no way I could have made this video when I started. And dude, maybe to tack like a, a, a half bonus onto this one is like you want to improve 1% a month, but it's not necessarily like 1% more of arbit- insert arbitrary stat here, like listens, visits, whatever, mm-hmm. because your your core metrics of your business sales or whatever it is is going to fluctuate and you're going to drive yourself insane you're going to drive yourself insane if you check daily weekly or monthly there are times like when i was just looking month over month and i was like almost in depression and and then it turns out everyone goes to vacation in july like Mm -hmm. every year it's the same thing but you know yeah but so like sales for my stuff this month has been way down and it was, I was like, oh my God, everything's crumbling. And, and then I went and looked at analytics for a few years back and it's like, huh, it does seem like 
dip in July. August is the best month of the year. So seasonality. It's not worry about it. Yeah. You know, or say somebody who runs like a pool website getting all yeah. sad in December. <laughs> My business is crumbling. Like, no, <laughs> nobody's swimming on ice. Yeah. So uh, and related to that, just because you're improving 1% every time does not mean that every single thing you make will do 1% better by all metrics because it's the equal odds rule, right? I am always things at on the, the cusp wall. of quoting this dude. Like, I, that is my, the, my favorite concept. Lay it on us. Yeah, you throw things at the wall. The, the equalized rule is, is for scientists. Uh, it's an analysis of scientists who have had many successful publications, Nobel Prizes and things, frizzy hair, all that kind of stuff. And the ones with the frizziest hair and the most prizes are simply the ones who publish the most work because that means they've also had lots of things that have failed. It's like and every piece of thing that you create is like a lottery ticket. It totally and is. You just need and more you know, lottery tickets to, to win. I've had videos that get 12,000 views and I get videos that get 120,000 views. You know, you never know. So really what I'm striving for is to get better at the process and to make something I'm more proud of every time. Uh, and hopefully people will like it. But I'm not worried about the external factors so much as I am actually improving on what matters. So my third tip is to not put yourself in a box. And by that, I mean, there's going to be somebody out there or there's going to be an entire industry that kind of seems like that's what you do when you get into that business. Mm. Personal finance blogs, they do lots of math and they're analytical people who work for KPMG and, (laughs) you know, their podcasts are very stodgy and, well, we got to talk about the markets and the market cap and Brexit. the data. Everyone they wants to know about Brexit. Got to talk about the stock implications of Brexit and exit. And I don't even know how many other exit funds I can make. Megxit. And, and then you have, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking from a listener's point of view because I didn't start this podcast. You have two guys who drink beer on the show. One of them who knows absolutely nothing about finance. And the other one who's just a nerd who doesn't want to talk about money news and then they have a successful podcast that I end up loving and end up co-hosting because I just was a huge fan. Uh, same thing with, you know, my business study videos on YouTube before I started doing that were either like people in a classroom presenting and someone had just videotaped it, or it was like a student in their dorm on the webcam. No one was, was combining video game references and stuff. Mm. So if you can combine two things that you like, you're going to make a third unique thing that people might love. For instance, the show Good Eats is the best food-related show ever made. I don't know if you've watched, well, watched it, but Alton Brown is probably my spirit animal. And Good Eats <laughs> is basically Bill and I, the science guy, meets cooking. Oh, dude. You know? I, have, I have a quote or like a quotable that is perfect for this. Hmm. Put your weirdness into your work. I, yeah. think, I, I think if there was any secret to success... It's doing that. Alton Brown is a weird dude. Thomas Frank, you are fucking weird. I am mm-hmm. weird. I, it amazes me. People want to hear my annoying nasal voice. But like that weirdness is what sets you apart. Yeah. And obviously there's kind of a line. You know, you have to be a bit perceptive of what might be over that line. Such True. like gimp suit finance might not be the best blog. <laughs> but then again, maybe it might. Uh, but yeah, put your weirdness into it. And don't feel like you have to fit into a box. I had anxiety for a long time when college was nearing an end. Because I had people telling me, you know, you're going to graduate. And what are you going to do? You can't run a college blog anymore when you graduate. You won't be a student. You won't know 
what it's like to be a student anymore. You're not even going to know what laptops they're using. You don't even have Snapchat. You're like, and, guys, uh, do you even see my beard? How could you, how could you possibly <laughs> say that to me? <laughs> yeah. And uh, now it's, I can't even believe I ever worried about it because I went full time and then I realized, oh, that just gives me more time to research and I can make better things now. You know, and sure, I'm not going to be making too many years how to do your laundry in your dorm videos, but learning is not something that's just exclusive to college. I can tackle that from so many different angles. So don't feel like you need to be in a box. There's probably something that is only what you've ever done out there that might be really successful. This week, we have a new sponsor on our show, and that is Casper, an online store that sells premium mattresses at a fraction of the cost you'll pay at a typical mattress store. Casper does away with mattress resellers, middlemen, and showrooms, and while that means you can't reenact that hilarious mattress store skit from Portlandia, it also means you get a premium quality mattress in exchange for far fewer of your dollar bills. Where other mattresses can often run you over $1,500, the Casper mattress starts at just $500 for a twin size and scales up to only $950 for a king and that also includes free delivery and returns if you're in the U.S. or Canada. Now, if you've been listening to our show for a while, you've probably heard Andrew and I talk before about how we're absolutely willing to spend more money on quality when it comes to things that have a large effect on our lives, and the place where you spend a third of that life is no exception. Fortunately, Casper eliminates the need to spend extra while not budging an inch on the quality. Their mattresses are made right here in America, and it's the product of thousands of hours of engineering, combining both springy latex and a supportive memory foam that come together to give you just the right sink and just the right bounce. That's why the Casper mattress was named one of the best inventions of 2015 by Time Magazine and is now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Now, Casper understands that the idea of buying a mattress online can be a bit weird, which is why they've made the process absolutely risk-free by offering a 100-night trial. You can try sleeping on a Casper mattress for over three months, and if you decide you don't like it, Casper will come pick it up and refund you every single penny, which, to me, sounds way more logical than laying on a showroom mattress for 30 seconds while you look up at a tile ceiling and listen to 90s music on a loudspeaker. So, if you're in the market for a better quality mattress and a better mattress buying experience, you can go to casper.com listen, and if you use the code listen at checkout, you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase within their terms and conditions. Thanks so much to Casper for supporting our show. If you're a business owner, Having the resources you need to support and grow your company means everything. That's why you need to know about Silver Rock Funding. Silver Rock Funding has access to millions of dollars in new private investor capital and lends to established businesses. They aren't bankers in three-piece suits. Their investors view businesses with a refreshing approach, looking beyond credit scores to find funds to help you grow. Do you have current assets? Maybe accounts receivable? Do you accept credit cards? These could all factor into the approval process. If you own an existing business and have been making at least $10,000 a month and need cash, then check out Silver Rock Funding. If you call now, you can get the funding you need, whether it's $5,000 or $500,000. Funding typically happens within 48 hours. To get started, call 1-800-688-2418. That's 1-800-688-2418. Get the capital you need to grow your business.
Um, I'm just going to truck into the next one. Uh, I, I, I love Quora and I wind up like reading all these like random things and they like learn about me and they give me more like addictive things that I read. And, uh, there was like this thing and it was like different mindsets between poor people, middle-class people and like, you know, upper-class or like rich people. Mm -hmm. And one of the, like the, the rows was on opportunities and poor people think that, um, opportunities are scarce or don't really exist or, or they're, and they're not looking for them. Middle-class people believe that, uh, they're not going to come by frequently and they have to seize every opportunity they, they see, they get. And rich and upper-class people, um, realize that there are plenty of opportunities and Mm. that if you chase all the opportunities, uh, you're never actually going to get to where you want to go. You're going to distract yourself. So, my tip is that there is not a limited amount of um, opportunities. There's an unlimited amount, and you need to say no to everything except for those that further your objective. Okay. So they're, they're, you're going to get people. You start a blog uh, in a year. You're going to have like, I don't know, 100 million people emailing you. Um, like, hey, I'll give you like eight dollars if I could post your, I could post a shitty article on your website, or you know, hey, I, I, I have this guy. He, he, I don't know, has sex with ducks. He'd be great for your personal finance podcast. <laughs> uh, and well, we might even give you a free sock or something. It's just like you have to say no to yep. stupid things. Like maybe you made eight dollars from a guest post, but guess what? Everyone who trusts you read this shitty post and they lost respect from you uh, mm-hmm. for you. So, yeah, I honestly thought you were going in a different direction with that. What do you think I was going to say? So, but I thought you were going with, or you were moving towards with this unlimited amount of opportunities is you were kind of trying to destroy the notion that all the good ideas have been taken or that there's already too much competition Oh, dude, I kind love of like that a fallacy. mercantilism of the mind, you know, I almost don't want to blow that one up because there are too <laughs> many personal finance things out there. Don't create anything in that area. Let me do it. <laughs> yeah, please. Please don't. Don't compete with us. No, and, but like don't move to Hoboken. Dude, the whole don't drink personal, our favorite beers either. Yeah, seriously. Um, I would say don't get couch surfer, but it's actually really good. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying this episode even more because of it. But look, mm-hmm. when I started, um, there were a million finance blogs. There were, there were a ton of podcasts doing yeah. this stuff. Turns out there's a lot more now. Um, but you just got to be special. And just work really hard. Mm. Yep. So my fourth, is it my fourth tip? Yeah. My fourth tip is uh, something from the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Mm. And he's talking about this concept of resistance it's a little bit bigger than just procrastination. Resistance is just this kind of, in his definition, this force that tries to keep you from doing whatever it is that, you know, is a higher calling for you, art or whatever. And something that really spoke to me in the book was that resistance always points true to the north. And by that, I think he meant resistance always tries to keep you away from the most important thing. So if you can kind of be sensitive to what you feel you're most resistant to doing, that's probably the most important thing that you should be doing. So for my business, I should be making videos. My videos do better than anything else I do. But during the week, 
I will constantly make up excuses for why I shouldn't make a video. It's hard. Oh, well, I should really make a narration for this article that Ransom wrote because it'll get an extra 6,000 listens on the podcast. <laughs> and I should really answer my emails. And you know what? I haven't done my laundry yet. And I can I can tell it's all to keep me away from making videos because that's hard. But that's the most important thing. Mm. So listen to your resistance. Fight it, but listen to it because it will guide you to the most important thing dude that that is a good one i need that like on the wall or something because i like as a habit avoid everything that i need to actually do (laughs) (laughs) i think all of us do man and i'll like tweak the css on the website so like when you hover over a link it is like slightly more interesting um Mm -hmm. but i won't yeah that that's that's a huge one and nobody cares about that and speaking of no one caring about that feedback so my my fifth one feedback is a gift solicit it and take it seriously Mm. um on every episode of this podcast we give out our email address and the emails you guys send us are invaluable we have taken so many ideas made episodes when we're going off the track the rails uh it helps us catch it early and correct ourselves we read everything discuss it um, asking your friends, people who don't know anything about your business, just it's up to you to filter it in your brain and like weigh it out what yeah. is important. But like, get feedback mm-hmm. because uh, it's gonna help you cover your blind spots. Yeah, and this is important for different reasons at different points in your journey. When you're very small, you need to be. You know, very intimate with your customers, anybody who's paying attention to you, Mm. listen to them, talk with them, reach out to them. And then when you get bigger, you also need to listen to feedback to keep yourself grounded and to break through the bubble of kind of like yes men that will inevitably creep up because now you're successful. They'll say whatever, you know, to keep you. I remember I was reading uh, Richard Feynman's memoir, Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. He was talking about how uh, during the Manhattan Project, Niels Bohr was kind of like the big man on campus, and he would talk with Richard Feynman, who was a nobody back then, because Feynman was the only person who did not give a fuck about how famous this dude was, and he was the only person who would be like, no, your ideas are crazy. Hmm. This is, that's a stupid idea. Everyone else would say, oh, well, Bohr came up with it, so obviously it must be true. Hmm. You got to keep the yes men at bay. And you got to take feedback seriously. I do want to add a bit of a counterpoint here, though. In the beginning, everyone's going to say that you're stupid, that it's not going to work. And no. I, I believe it's to justify their own lack of doing. Yeah, it's like the, you know, the highest sin that a crab can commit is jumping for the rim of the bucket. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so you really do have to worry about that. What I was going to say is that you should view yourself like the president of the United States, not like a steering wheel has been plunged into the back of your head and the feedback is now driving you because you are the final arbiter of any decision that you make and you have to be critical in how seriously you take every bit of feedback. The bigger you get, the more feedback you're going to get, the wider variety of feedback you're going to get, and it's going to be contradictory. Yeah, there and are every be people bad who are like, piece is going to hurt. As yeah, you, the first anything negative or anything contrary to what you did is going to stand out. But I, I every every single video I make, 
there's somebody who's like, you spoke way too fast in this video. And then another person, you spoke way too slow in this video. Speed it up, dude. And you can't take both of those and, and take action on those. You can't. They're yeah. contradictory. So you have to ask yourself, all right, who's right here? Does this person have a good point or are they just wrong and I'm not going to listen to them? You're the creator. You make the decisions. You try to make something that helps as many people as possible and delights as many people as possible. But ultimately, you are the person who makes the final decisions and you should know best. <laughs> so that, that was all your tip, right? That was the feedback one. Yeah. So now it's my turn. So the next one I have for you guys is you have to turn pro, which means a professional shows up every day and does his work or does her work regardless of feeling like it regardless of having the inspiration in the heat of the moment you show up you do your work you write um this is a very very big point in the war of art and i really believe that consistency is what has enabled my business to go to the point that it's at now there if i look at my analytics there's a period of almost a year and a half where it's flat and that was when you know i graduated college I was writing whenever I felt like it and I was spending the rest of my day building magic, the gathering decks hmm. or doing whatever. I don't even know. And then I think it was late 2014. I read a book called the motivation hacker, which ta uh, taught me about a tool called Beeminder, where you literally bet money that you'll do things. And I bet money on the fact that I would post twice a week and I started building routines and I held myself, I held my feet to the fire to get things done. And all of a sudden I started noticing there's a lot of growth here. And then I had this 500 word per day writing challenge, which eventually became a book. And that book is now going to be a first sale on a bookstore shelf. Consistency feeds back into the equal odds rule. That's where the gold nuggets come from because you're just putting in work every day. And I also use those commitment devices. You know, Beeminder or an accountability partner or an Excel spreadsheet that you make public. That's what I do a lot of these days. My challenges are up on my impossible list. Things that keep you accountable are useful. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are just so many times you're not going to want to do it. There are days where, like, I am, like, super inspired and I can't wait to get on like the mic and like shoot the shit with you. And I have like copious amounts of notes. And there are days where I'm just like, I, I don't want to do this. Like I just <laughs> not. I, I can't today. I need to. I don't know. Read shit. You just got to do it. Yeah. Um. So my next one, uh, I think was was a rather big one for me. Mm -hmm. Um. It's. Include your family and seek out other entrepreneurs. Um, I combine them because I think they're they're very complementary, and may, maybe it's just my personality. Uh, but I tend to think that I know what the appropriate thing should be. I am the one who's going to do it, and I, I've become like you know, uh, they're like every man is an island or some cliche thing. Like that's totally me. Like I just mm. I'll, I'll be good. I can only rely on me because I'm going to do it. And that's like walls go up. You're putting distance between you and people who are going to give you the feedback. Like Laura will tell me the things that no one else has the balls or ovaries to tell me. And she'll mm -hmm. tell it to me every day. And it's shit that I need to hear. But <laughs> so <if> I, does Anna. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if we didn't include them in the process, this is feedback you would never get. 
Yeah. Um, and then on the entrepreneur end of things is to find, for me to find someone like Matt and then to again find Thomas, like I'm, I won the entrepreneur lottery. Because mm. find first of all, finding another entrepreneur, an actual real entrepreneur, it's like finding a unicorn. And then finding one <laughs> that you get along with and that you can collaborate, you resonate with, that is like even more impossible. And talking with these people, just shooting the shit will amplify everything you do like many fold. Oh yeah. Like is the amplification effect even on things you already know is, is vast. I remember I went to VidCon and uh, some of the people, you know, I was there with were saying, Oh, this session didn't really actually teach me anything. I didn't already know. And kind of rolling their eyes. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I kind of knew these things, but here's somebody who's 10 leagues above me saying, this is what we do every day. And translation, you need to do that. You need to be reminded, you know, every time something is repeated to you, it's another chance for your brain to assign a higher importance Dude, score. And that to that point, so in, in this scenario, you're saying like you're kind of like the mentee and he's like the mentor, at least in your eyes. Like the person on stage? Yeah. yeah. But I, I think the reality is that it's very self-serving on both sides of the equation and mentors often gain quite a lot and learn quite a lot yeah. mentoring other people. And I could personally say that the most impactful times of my life is when I stumbled into a mentor and they, they like within a year, like doubled my ability. And so mm -hmm. you can get lucky and you could be walking across the street and like walk into each other and then there you go. But I think more often than not is you need to seek these people out. Yeah. And it's it's like even if you have a mentor, you should always kind of be looking for mm -hmm. another one and just open to people. I, I think like people are so important. I think it comes down to like a, a mutual admiration where mm. uh like There'll be people who email, and I, I, maybe you can call me a mentor. I definitely work closely with a few people in the audience who are running businesses because I love that stuff. Yeah. And there was something about their story or their personality that just kind of like sucked me in. And they mm -hmm. were not asking for anything other than to like, they were just like bullshitting with me. Yeah. But I can't help but find time. Like, I, I drop important things for that. And I think, um, and then they do just to talk with me because they, they know I selfishly get you know, enjoyment to hear my own voice. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Shit, the truth is out. Yep. There he goes. But yeah, I think that may be one of the most important parts about mentorship is you just have to go into any relationship knowing that I, I'm going to provide something to this person, even if it's just thanks. Um, and I just spoiled my last tip. So I'm just going <laughs> to slot it in here. Thank people. Show appreciation to other people, if you've gotten value from their work, you know, a lot of times you just, you like it and you move on. But if you can take a few seconds to say, thank you, you know what, never know what might come of it. It, may, it makes a huge impact. And uh, all of a sudden, they, like, they could become interested in you. Um, and I know that this is like, this is like literally the Thomas life hack right here. You, you've like mastered the growing of your circle by pulling in the people that um, you like appreciate and enjoy. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I, I could, I don't even know the specifics, but I can just tell it's worked out very well for you.
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, half my podcast is like halfway an excuse to just talk to people I like. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is a selfish podcast for most of the time where I just get people on. <laughs> I want to learn things. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So this next one, um, I feel is like, oh, duh, Andrew, like I knew you're going to pull this one out. And it's like <laughs> kind of with a heavy heart, I bring it because it's like almost never it almost never happens. Mm. And um, it's know your business math. Like, how are you going to make money? What are your costs? What yeah. will the profit be? Maybe you'll profit $10,000. No, that'd be fantastic if you profit $10,000. Maybe you profit $1,000 a month, but your time is worth $20 an hour, and you put in 5,000 hours or something. I don't even know if that's mathematically possible. But in that yeah. case, it wouldn't be worth it, right? You don't work for slave labor wages. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I have a kind of whatever story where I know this guy. Um, he bought a bar and uh, it is not a pro it's not a very profitable bar because mm. the person who's running it before uh, mismanaged the shit out of it. Um, but he he paid a lot for it and I think he has certain expectations on what's going to come out and mm. he didn't really get into the details and so you know uh, slashed expectations might be um a, a better way to put it and that sucks like if, if it's the deal's not going to work out you could show the numbers to the person you know you're buying this bar from someone show them the numbers and you get 5 10k knocked off because they're like oh wow that actually doesn't make sense yeah yeah there's a lot of hope and and vague aspirations like um i'm sorry but creating a blog is not a business creating a nope. podcast is not a business like um that's their great. communication tools yeah like no. the, what is the greater goal like from the beginning i was inspired by pat flynn so affiliate income is where the, the magic happens for us yeah um and and I'll tell you, uh, that was probably the most laborious path ever. I wish I took any other path. Like that <laughs> path. <laughs> yeah, and for me, I mean, there's a there's a, a lot of little buckets now. Mm. It's funny because when I met you, it was kind of like one, and now there's we've got a we have a t-shirt coming out. We've got a course coming out soon. We've got I'm speaking at a school, licensing my videos. I'm doing all these things. Um, income comes from many different sources and I would challenge you guys. I have this big Excel spreadsheet, well, Google spreadsheet, I don't use Excel and it lists out all my income categories. It lists out all my business expenses, lists out my labor expenses. I've got total columns for my net income. And then I got big formulas that calculate all my income tax, uh, everything here. And you don't have to go crazy with this, but if you have this, you can look at it and you can see the numbers and I built it specifically to show me in one column how the business is doing financially and then how that all works into my personal financial health. So how much then, money do I have left over every month? When how much done, money is there left over in the business so, every month? Dude, first of all, super important. Um, but when you're done spending 20 hours of spreadsheet on a spreadsheet, you could then go and pay like FreshBooks $9.99 or $0.999 <laughs> and they have awesome reports. Uh, mm. Like It's like the mint for your business. And if you, yeah. I mean, if it's important for your personal money, like it's even more important for your business because I find that money disappears when I don't keep mm -hmm. track of it. 
Yeah, it does. And I'll, I'll probably end up using something like that. Um, I wanted to make the spreadsheet because I am now intimately familiar with how it all kind of interplays because I had to build it. Mm. So, and I, I built my own formula so I can change any value in the spreadsheet and I can see like, okay, what happens if uh, I'm able to bring in an extra $5,000 from a course launch this month? Oh, okay. That affects my taxes that month. That, that much that affects my Vanguard savings this much because it's a percentage mm. and I have this much left over, you know, or I can pay one of my team members more or what, what happens like the, another good scenario. It's the, Oh, I took a punch scenario. What happens if I, you know, make no money this month on one of my income sources? Mm. Can I still afford to pay everything? What do I have to cut? It's just yeah. good to be able to run all those numbers. Um, so my next tip is very similar to the feedback one, uh, but it's more active and it's to ask people what they want. Mm. So, and you don't, you don't do this all the time, but I think there are certain endeavors you can simply jump into because you want to do them. Maybe a blog, mm. but there are other things. It comes time where eventually you need to figure out where's your time going to be best invested. And part of the way you do that is by asking people. So uh, Martin and I are currently building a course and I've wanted to build a course for a long time. And I thought the best possible course would be a career skills course. But before we started building it, I decided to send out a survey and I use typeform.com for my surveys. They're oh, really they're, wonderful. And I love sexy them. forms. Like, yeah, that is a thing. And, you know, you, you can get basically all the functionality you need for free. They'll try to upsell you on a few things. But for what you need for this, it's free. I just asked them, uh, I think my survey was uh, like two or three questions. It was uh, right now, it was, I want to make a course. I'm either going to make a career skills course or I'm going to make a productivity and study skills course that will make you a better, more efficient student. Right now, which one of those do you want more? So choose those. And then I had a uh, field that said for the one you chose, what's the biggest problem you're dealing with right now? And then the third question is, if I make this course that you wanted, would you pay for it? I didn't put a price, but I asked, would you pay for it? So I'm asking them, would you be willing to commit money? Which is not the same as actually asking someone to pay, like right, pull out your credit card right now, but it's still a little bit of an indicator. I'm asking what they want and I'm getting a crap ton of really insightful data by asking people what their problems are. So what I found out from that survey is an overwhelming majority of people wanted the studying and productivity course first. Mm. They didn't want the career one as much. Uh, about 60% said they would pay. And I got hundreds of people giving me their problems. So I just have oh, so geez. much fodder for course content from that. Hmm. So ask people what they want and they will tell you. It's not always, again, it's not always the steering wheel in the back of your head. You can't let it completely drive you, but it's useful a lot of times. Um, okay. I have, I have one more. Okay. And, uh, I think they, these some of these are like intermixing, um, mm -hmm. and I think kind of the way we meandered with the chat. But um, you, when whatever you're doing, you're selling something, you're teaching, whatever it is, serve those who love you, and you can't be everything to everyone. Mm. And yeah. that is painful, and you think that you can, but... Um, there are some things Thomas and I are good at, some things we're not, and some things that just are outside of our personality. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if you wanted a deadly serious, uh, you know, step by step, whatever, no banter that we that we're not able to do that good. I have to curse. I wouldn't do it. (laughs) And dude, you know what I found really interesting is, I mean, the audience that listens is super diverse with Mm -hmm. the podcast. Um, and I know because we've done surveys and stuff, but a lot of the people who reach out uh, happen to be very similar to one of us in some degree, mm. right? Um, now, we're both guys, but that doesn't mean like we don't resonate with girls. And so, for example, there was a girl who uh, saving a lot right now, and she's putting it in just her personality and her approach totally reminded me of when I was that age, mm. you know? Um, and there's like a lot of like engineers because I guess they like the way that whatever. So when you're doing your thing, the people like you are going to congregate to it. Yeah. And the only thing that you could do really, really good is be yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're just that, um, (laughs) (laughs) it just reminded me of this, this quote I saw somewhere. It was like, be yourself unless you can be Batman, then be Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be Batman. Which you you can't be because, well, all I'm going to say is, have you ever seen Batman and me in the same room at the same time? Ooh, Hmm? good point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the last tip I have, and I think this might be the last tip of all, Mm -hmm. uh, is to learn by making. So uh, I have been here, so I understand if you've ever had the temptation to go buy every info product that is being marketed for, you know, how to grow your business or go buy every business book out there. And you're like, I'm just going to take six months, read every business book out there. And I'm going to learn so much. Stop. Just make stuff and learn through making. Because what I found is when I am in the thick of something, I will run into things that I don't know. But now I'm super interested in learning that. I remember when I wanted to buy a car, which was the subject of one of our most controversial episodes. <laughs> uh, I got super interested in how cars worked. And I had taken a, a car class in high school just because I thought, you know, oh, everyone should know about cars. So I took this engine class and an entire semester's worth of the material went in one ear and out the other because I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I got interested in cars last summer. And in the car ride to Wisconsin, we were going up there for a family reunion. I brought up the How Stuff Works articles on my phone. And in the space of a six-hour car drive, I knew the ins and outs of how an internal combustion engine works. I knew how the auto cycle worked. I know what a catalytic converter is and how it works. All the ins and outs of a car engine. Boom, I knew because there's interest. And this, I mean, there's brain science reasons for this. There are different neurotransmitters that get attached to, you know, the main information neurotransmitters that basically transmit how important a fact is. So when you're in the thick of making something, how the heck do I do an overhead shot with my camera uh, so I can have this really cool whiteboard animation? Well, then you go learn and Mm. you care. And that time you spend learning is 10 times more efficient than you just sitting there being like, that sounds like a pretty good business tip. Write that down. And I'm not saying to never read books and never go through training materials, but spend the majority of your time trying to make things, challenging yourself to do stuff you can't do, uh, and then learning along the way. There's this principle called the hiding hand principle, which Mm -hmm. states that basically humans are able to do crazy creative things because at the outset, they're too ignorant about how hard it is. They're basically like, 
overestimating their ability to do it. So they jump in, get completely over their head, and then the creative part of the brain really sparks to life. And that's how you learn things quickly and you end up doing stuff. So challenge yourself to do stuff that you can't do, learn, and, and you will make and cool I think stuff. That ties into like, how do you know that you make like you might be an entrepreneur? If you think that you will be wildly successful, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> you have to be delusional like that. <laughs> or you're just a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> or you're just a crazy person. And some crazy people are entrepreneurs. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, those are our tips, guys. So hopefully you enjoyed them, found them useful in some way. If you have questions for us, like we said, we always give out our email on the show. And because Andrew's a masochist. I seriously, I'm a masochist. I I can't help myself. I feel anxiety when I don't get to every email. I feel anxiety when email comes in. (laughs) You need a system, dude. But oh, I have a system. It's just called too uh, many systems. (laughs) Um. So. Uh, and I feel like I, I feel like we're, we tease a lot of things, and then they play out at weird times. And um, mm-hmm. the, so, like, summer is coming. Winter has passed for us. Summer is coming. We have some really sick shit baking in the oven right now. Um, Summer's over. No, no, like our, the personal finance summer. Is oh, coming. okay. I was going to say. You're summer, like we're halfway through summer. Right? Many, many ta- people have reminded me that summer's over because I made my six ways to have a, promo- a productive summer video. And everyone was like, well, this is too late. You're like, it's for next summer. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I said. I was like, this will be around next summer. Come on. That's how, hard, that's how far ahead you are. <laughs> uh, but look, if you are interested, there's going to be, I'm building a tool that'll help you do an analysis of a thing. Mm. Um subscribe to the podcast this is my matters.com slash subscribe boom yeah mic drop mic drop also i said email so listen my matters at gmail.com is where you can email andrew and uh, give us your feedback ask questions help us make our show better you don't get to put a steering wheel on the back of our heads but uh you do get to be on the cabinet <laughs> also our favorite resources apps and tools and the like are all over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox and right after this podcast Andrew's going to help me upgrade my toolbox so damn right he's got some skills our toolbox is pretty cool and I had nothing to do with it so <laughs> but it is pretty cool so check it out and I think that's all we got for you guys so uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode later man later dude Tell your friends about this show.